Welcome to Informed Aging, a podcast about health, help, and hard decisions for older adults. My name's Robin Roundtree. I spent six years as a family caregiver and now work in the senior care industry with Senior Helpers, a company providing in-home care to residents of Central Florida. With me is my co-host, Edith Gendron, Chief of Operations for the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center, a positive approach to care certified trainer and consultant, and a former family caregiver with over 20 years of experience in the industry. The thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast belong to us, not our wonderful employers and sponsors. If you want to get mad, get mad at us and not at them. Before making any significant changes in you or your person's life, please consult your own experts. Today, we're going to talk about meditation, mindfulness, and gratitude, and how they can assist with aging. Our guest is Dr. Leslie Laws, and we'll be talking to her right after this. Senior Helpers is the only home care agency offering a revolutionary new way to approach senior care, the Life Profile Assessment. This data-based app is a crucial tool in helping seniors age safely and successfully at home. Combined with our proven in-home care programs and trained caregivers, Senior Helpers Life Profile is leading the way to better outcomes for our clients. For more information, log on to SeniorHelpers.com. Our guest today, Dr. Leslie Laws. Now, you've got a PhD, so we want to get that out of the way. Not a practicing doctor. Right. Okay. That's right. I cannot do heart surgery. Okay. (laughs) Good to know. And uh, also a former instructor, both at the University of Missouri-Columbia and at Rollins College. That's right. What did you teach? I was in the English department, and I taught creative writing and nonfiction literature. So, and you also are a certified yoga instructor? I am. Wow. I have so many certifications, it's ridiculous. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) My best friend told me I should stop with the certifications, but, you know, I just am a lifelong learner, so I keep going to school and going to school. That's wonderful. Yeah. So tell me how you got into meditation, mindfulness, and gratitude. What made you really get into these subject areas? Well... I was very interested in college. I went to a small private women's college in Columbia, Missouri, and I uh, spent quite a few courses, took quite a few courses in the wisdom traditions of the world. was interested in various religions and various traditions and philosophy, and I became very interested in Buddhism. And I went to um, the year, the summer that I turned 20, I spent the summer in Japan and various uh, far eastern countries, but mostly in Japan and sort of soaking up the Zen culture there and was introduced to Zen meditation at that time and practiced Zen for a while when I came back. So I've always had a, an interest in um, spirituality, in mysticism, in consciousness, in the big questions like why are we here and what are we supposed to be doing and how are we supposed to live our life in a way that is, is of benefit to ourselves, to myself, and to other people. And I was just, I guess, I, you know, this was the 60s. I went, to, went away to school in 19. 19- 
65, and, you know, we're in the heart, very heart of the 60s, although some people say the 60s actually happened in the 70s. But um, (laughs) anyway, I was a seeker, and I was a part of that larger movement in among young people that wanted to do something for the world, that wanted to make the world a bigger place. It sounds all very sophomoric, I know, but I was a sophomore in college, so <laughs> that's it what you're sense. supposed to do. You're supposed to explore those big questions. The thing is, when I left college, I never stopped it. I just, it was not a momentary interest for me. And I just have continued my entire career and maneuvered my career in such a way that I could study these great wisdom traditions. I could learn about the practices that they offered us for opening our hearts and minds to something other than what seems like the mundane stuff of getting and gaining and, you know, working and going to bed and getting up the next day and and working. So that was, um, it really set me on a a definite path, that work that I did, that those courses that I took in college. It wasn't until I was a little bit older, much older actually, that I found yoga. And so in when I found Ashtanga Yoga and became a practitioner of that particular methodology of studying the mind and studying the body, I began to see how many of the things that I had been studying and searching for came under, all of a sudden there was this umbrella of sort of a system, really, that pulled so many of my interests together. Those interests being, and this is what Edith and I have so much in common, being well-being. How do we create and sustain a life of well-being, not just in our 20s and 30s when it's pretty easy to do, but in our 40s, 50s, 60s, and on into the 80s when it becomes harder to do. And that's sort of what happened to me that when when I took started really getting serious about yoga and meditation as a serious component of the yogic tradition. So I started really studying meditation in depth and practicing in depth. Wonderful. So I know someone listening to the podcast right now is like, I'm going to pass on this one. It's all this woo-woo stuff. Trust me, we're going to get to the science, okay? So this is worth listening to, especially in the context of aging and aging well. We're going to get back into that when we return with Leslie Laws. For over 37 years, the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center has served as a central Florida-based grassroots nonprofit and community resource center dedicated to providing support and hope for families and individuals caring for someone they love who is living with Alzheimer's disease or other dementia-related illness. The ADRC empowers caregivers with the knowledge, support, skill, and strategies through a variety of programs to help them confidentially prepare for the challenges that lie ahead. To learn more, visit their website at adrccares.org. That's adrccares.org. We are back and we are talking meditation, mindfulness, and gratitude with Leslie Laws. Now, I know that some people think of this stuff, it's, it is woo-woo, right? 
you know? Yes, that's what my parents thought of it when I went to Japan <laughs> in 1967. It's woo-woo. What are you doing? <laughs> but we know it's more than woo-woo. Right. <laughs> uh, we know coming out of places as prestigious as Loma Linda University that meditation in, in and of itself is scientifically supported as being a wellness factor. Uh, which is why we partnered with Dr. Laws to start and to maintain our wellness program. Um, Learning about the benefits of meditation and learning how to meditate benefits everyone, everyone, and not just someone who's aging, but it's nice to be able to have something that's guaranteed to reduce your stress level and increase your health. And I'm going to stop nattering on about that and let... uh, let, She's so good. You really just need to let her talk because she is so good at it. But I will, I I would like to emphasize that because um, it is not woo-woo, although, you know, it comes out of a tradition in the 70s, which is when many of the teachers that are now in their 70s and 80s and are the big names in meditation, people like Dan Siegelman and uh, uh, Joseph uh, Goldstein, Jack Cornfield, um, there was a whole group of young people that went over to India in the 70s and brought back meditation based on the training that they got over there. They, most of them stayed for several years in various monasteries and ashrams and studying with really serious and you know, well-versed practitioners in the art of meditation. And they are the people that came back in the 70s with the practices of meditation that we pretty much know and understand and use today. And those people were very well-educated young people in the 1970s and continued in their careers, not just in their practice of meditation, but in their careers to study, to analyze, and to research meditation to find out what is actually happening in the human mind, in the human brain when we do this, so that we now have a a huge body of research. And it's undeniable research. It is really quite remarkable. I just mentioned uh, Daniel Siegelman. He and Richie Davidson are two of the foremost researchers in the area of meditation and its benefits. And they've just recently published a book called Altered States. And it is a beautiful review, very accessible to the, you know, the non-scientific person. On It sort of does a, re, a nice review, a meta-analysis of the research that's been done over the last 15 to 25 years on meditation. And their research documents the fact that this, this practice is undeniably beneficial. It literally changes the programming in the mind, in the brain. It changes the formatting of the brain. And it and as such, it then brings so many benefits, not the least of which, as Edith has mentioned a couple of times already, is the reduction of stress. So the capacity of the practice of mindfulness to literally calm the central nervous system. When you calm the central nervous system and develop the ability to do that on your own without drugs, 
then you are literally lowering the rate of cortisol in your system, which is the stress hormone in the body. Cortisol is a necessary, we have to have cortisol to wake us up in the morning. Cortisol rises as the sun comes up, as the light comes up. It's the signal to our body to get up and get out of bed. And it's meant to rise quickly in necessary moments when you need to run to catch a bus or you need to get away from a saber-toothed tiger if you lived in the savanna <laughs> of the Paleolithic age. Uh, but it's also designed to go down very quickly. What we have found is that cortisol, remember we call it the stress hormone, in modern life with so many stresses, ping, ping, ping of all the notifications, the, the, the viruses that afflict us, the wars of the world that afflict us. If you're not stressed in 2022, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. Every normal person should be stressed. There's a lot of reason to be stressed. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that we have to be stressed is that we get older, that we are attached to these bodies. We have this desire to stay young, to stay active, to stay engaged. And the fact is, things change in the body and in the mind. So w I'm getting myself off track here of cortisol, so let me just hop back to that for a moment, that we know that cortisol is not supposed to stay high, and it does stay high in a stressed world. So this is one of the causes of many of our problems and the acceleration of the aging process is not just cortisol, many other hormones that we could talk about. I'll try not to geek out too much on the <laughs> biological part of it, but it is the research is just replete with evidence that shows that even just that first process that I mentioned of being able to low, do something, we know that we can do something with our breath that literally lowers the cortisol rate in our body. That's incredible. It's incredible. It's a pretty magnificent machine we have, these bodies. And we can do a lot more. We can collaborate with them in some much more sophisticated ways than we have in the past. And there's no deductible. We are. That is right. It's totally free, which is one of the reasons that modern healthcare does not tout it, promote it, or use it very much because you can't make any money. I know this as a meditation teacher. <laughs> you cannot make any money teaching people how to do meditation. You shouldn't. You really shouldn't make any money. That's a whole other topic in itself. But Right. Yeah. So for somebody who's just um, meditation, all, I'm trying to think of a cynic's vision is maybe somebody sitting cross-legged and just zoning out. It's not that. It's not zoning out. It's just the opposite of zoning out. It's becoming keenly and precisely present and aware of where you are right now in this moment and who you are with, being fully present and alive to that person or to that moment. And that's one of the core. There are several components in the definition of mindfulness, but that's one of the core concepts of mindfulness is that the practice of mindfulness is the practice of learning to train our mind to hold the focus on 
a specific object of attention so that we're improving our capacity to pay attention and be present. So you see, does that make sense? It's like the opposite of zoning out. Got you. So that busy brain that we all have, where we can't remember why we walked into a room, it's holding on to that thought while we're walking into the room and not thinking of the 15 other things. Absolutely. That's exactly what mindfulness is. Staying clearly focused on the one object that is in front of you, whether it's a conversation that you're having, whether it's a vista that you're looking at, whether it's an object that you're trying to find, like your glasses. Mm -hmm. How many of us have looked all over the house for a pair of glasses? Yes. So, yeah. Okay. So it's staying present. And how does meditation fit into the mindfulness? So meditation is an, it really, it's an act of concentration. I actually prefer to use the word concentration because that is something that people can latch onto a little bit more sometimes than the word meditation. And concentration is actually um, the precursor to meditation, to what actually happens when you're in a meditative state. And so when we practice these concentration practices, it's like we're going to the gym for our mind. Just like you, if you want to build biceps or if you need to stretch your hamstrings or if you need to work on uh, strengthening your quadriceps, we know people have studied the body long and hard now, and we know exactly what you need to do when you go to the gym to improve those muscles. The same thing is with the mind. We have learned over the years from the ancient traditions as well as from the sciences now that are studying it, what we can do to help us develop this kind of keen, focused concentration. Because, and what people say, well, why do I want that? We want to be able to concentrate and stay focused because it gives us access to qualities, innate qualities that are within ourselves that can help us function in the world more beneficially. And there's a lot to be said about that, but I'll pause for a minute and see if there's a question about something that I've said already. Okay, so concentration sounds like something hard. It does. So is meditation hard? Well, I'll tell you this. That's such a beautiful question. Um, The Buddha said, and the Buddha who lived 2,500 years ago is really the progenitor of this practice. And so I go to him and his practices, his discourses for the methodology that I use in teaching meditation. There have been lots of variations on how to teach meditation, but the Buddha said meditation is very, very simple. It's such, it just seems so simple when I say to my students, here's what I want you to do. They go, that's it? That's all? Yeah, it's very, very simple. But it's not easy, the Buddha said. So meditation is simple, Mm. but it's not easy. And it's not easy. So I don't want to fool anybody to say this is like a, you know, sit down and bam, you're going to be enlightened. Or sit down and bam, you're going to be healthy. Sit down and bam, all your relationships are suddenly going to be smooth and fabulous. That's how you make the money. Yeah, that's if if I said that, I maybe could make money teaching meditation. But it's just like building a bicep. 
is not easy. It takes time and it takes practice. Right. The exercise itself is simple. Exercise itself is enormously simple, but it takes a long time of dedication to the practice. And this is one of the things I say to my students. I don't really care how long you meditate because that's always a big obstacle for people wanting to learn more about meditation or mindfulness is they worry that they're going to have to go to a mountainside in Tibet and meditate for eight hours a day with a guru. No, trust me, it is not about that. Not that that isn't possible, and lots of people have done that, but for us, as what the Buddha called people like us, householders, we are people who have lives to live and business to take care of and families to feed and uh, so on and so forth. We, we have to find a practice that can fit into our lifestyle. So I say to my students, it's really not how long you do these practices that I teach you to do. It's how consistent you are. And so the research says that there is a minimum beneficial dose. You know how when you go to the doctor and you have to get some kind of medication, they talk about the minimum beneficial dose of a medication. There's a minimum beneficial dose for meditation too. And the minimum is two minutes a day. Oh, that's so much better than the exercise requirement. Yes, yes, two minutes a day. Now, as my students who continue to work with me and and allow me, uh, give me the honor of being their meditation director, I build that up because just like any exercise, the more of it you do, the more benefits you're going to get. But in order to establish the habit and to begin feeling the effects of that habit, two minutes a day. What I find, it's a little bit of a trick saying that because what I find is that people who do remain consistent, and by consistent, I say to my beginners, I ask you to do this practice two minutes a day, five days a week. Okay. So you know, get up in the morning, do it lying in bed before you get out of bed if you want. Do it in the morning as a part of a practice, a foundational practice maybe that starts your day, or do it at the end of the day. Most research shows, just like a gratitude practice, that the practice works a little better if you do it in the morning because it's like bathing your mind in a certain attitude, in a certain level of awareness that just sets you off into the day in such a beautiful way. But I say don't let the time you know, hinder you because I find that just like people find excuses for not going to the gym, people find excuses for not meditating. Mm-hmm. They'll say, oh, I moved this week, or oh, my kid was sick, or all kinds of excuses for not doing it. And I go, don't give me any excuses. I'm, a, I'm the master of excuses. So, you know, that's not going to cut it. But um, two minutes a day, you can build in, even if you're moving. So... And technology can even help you. Absolutely. I have an app on my phone that can guide me through a 10-minute meditation. Absolutely. There are so many fabulous apps out there. I highly recommend them. I recommend them to my students, and uh, I recommend them to use the guided meditation. Don't try to right off the bat meditate just on your own silently, although that's great if you want to do that. 
But use the, use the guided meditations, and there are so many of them. You can go to YouTube. You don't even need to sign on to an app. You can go to YouTube and find really wonderful guided meditations. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. Just and been... to carry on with that theme, you can go to our website and find when Leslie is providing an hour's worth of guided meditation, explaining meditation. So teaching and practice, teaching and practice. First Monday of every month and the fourth Tuesday. Yes. First Monday is in the morning, fourth Tuesday is in the afternoon, trying to meet the needs of the, the community. And it's via Zoom, so no excuses that you aren't in the greater Orlando area. You can right. be anywhere. You can find those on the website, adrccares.org. Look for M&Ms for the Soul and Meditation and Mindfulness Mondays under events. Leslie, it's been great talking to you about meditation, but we still need to get to gratitude and so much more. So we're definitely going to have you back for another episode. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast, Informed Aging, and tell your family and friends about us. Instagram and Twitter, you'll find us at informed underscore aging and on facebook.com slash informed aging. You can email us informedagingpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was recorded at Digital Broadcasting's podcast studio. That's all for now. Looking forward to our next visit.